Welcome to a fantastic word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, an associate pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, listen, are you guys ready to jump into the word for today? Uh, We are continuing our series. We are nearing the end of our series of the armor of God. And we are in part seven today. And uh, and, uh, as you know, we have been discussing and talking about the armor of God, how we are to equip ourselves daily for the spiritual battle that is happening around us. And Paul the Apostle wanted people, wanted Christians to know those who were in Ephesus, the ones he were writing to, to understand that there is a spiritual battle, one that we cannot see that is happening all around us. And he was writing to people in Ephesus who were aware and understood a thing or two about armor because in Ephesus was a training facility for Roman soldiers. And they would go to and fro, infantry would come in to be trained there in Ephesus. So if you were living in Ephesus, you saw a lot of soldiers all the time. And you were familiar with their armor that they were wearing as Paul the apostle was chained to a Roman soldier during his imprisonment while he was in Rome. He too, inspired by the Holy Spirit, saw the Roman soldier um, um, armor every single day, inspired by the Holy Spirit, wrote to the church the importance of being armed for the spiritual battle that is happening around us. And, and, and it still speaks to us today, understanding that, that regardless of whether you believe it or not, whether we see it or not, there is a spiritual battle happening and we must be prepared so that we ourselves are not deceived because the enemy is launching spiritual attacks daily on our life. And they are, they are so subtle and they, 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 they come along and they feel good with our flesh so that you can't tell many times. But that's what it is, is deceit to deceive us, to get us to... to, uh, to to, uh, the devil wants to draw us further away from God. He wants, to, he wants us to fall into a trap. And so therefore, we as Christians must be armed by putting on the full armor of God. And, and every piece of the armor is spiritual. So we talked about the belt of truth, how we have to arm ourselves with truth every single day. And truth is in the word of God and truth is absolute and it doesn't change. And the devil wants, but the devil wants to change what you believe to be true. That's what he wants to do. And so we have to put on the, we have to put on truth to ensure that we are not deceived. And so, and, and we do that by engaging the word of God. We talked about the importance of armoring ourselves with the breastplate of righteousness, arming ourselves with righteousness. We talked about how righteousness is the standard in which we please God. It is rightly living. And righteousness is meant to protect our hearts from being led astray from God. The devil, he wants to launch an attack on your heart because he's trying to get your heart filled up with other things so you can be led astray from him. But righteousness protects our heart. Righteousness, when we walk in the way of the righteous, it's not about following rules. It's about protecting our heart from the very thing that will draw us away from God. 
And so we must, uh, we must know, remember that righteousness came from Christ. Whenever we received him, it was imputed into us, but we also have to walk in it every day. We also talked about putting on the shoes of the gospel of peace, arming ourselves with peace, which is calmness of soul in the midst of difficult circumstances. And through Christ, peace is available despite our circumstances. And we can be free from stress and worry because we have peace. Of course, there's moments in life where we do experience stress and we do experience worry, but walking every day in stress and worry, there is a peace that we can walk in and re- to replace that, to replace that fear with peace. And because we have peace with God, we have access to the peace of God and we can go to the peace of God to receive that peace. It's found in the gospel. And then we talked about the shield of faith, taking up the shield of faith. And we uh, talked about how our main line of defense against the attack of the enemy is our faith. And if the enemy, he wants to attack you, if he wants to get to you, if he wants to get to your family, he has to get through your faith first, which is why Paul encouraged us to take up faith. We have to take up faith like a shield because it is the thing that stands between us and the attack of the enemy. And faith is not based on our feelings. It's not based on the circumstances around us, but faith is based on the word of God. It's, it's, it's acting on God's word. When we believe and we act on it, that is faith. And um, if we know what God says about a matter, then we can act on that very thing. And if we continually act on it, then we are walking by faith but we can't do it alone. We can link up our faith with others to encourage other people in their faith. And also there's a time and season in our life where we have to be encouraged as well. And then last week we talked about the helmet of salvation, the importance of putting salvation on our heads like a helmet. And while, we have, while, we, while our spirit was saved when we received Christ, our mind was not. Our spirit was saved when we received Christ, but our mind was not saved. Therefore, we have to put salvation on our minds like a helmet so that we can renew our mind, so that our mind can be saved. And and just like the heart, the devil is trying to launch an attack on our minds because he knows that if he can get control of our minds, then he can get control of our life. Can I get an amen? Anybody know what I'm talking about? If he can get control of our thoughts, then he can get control of our life because our mind is where the battlefield happens. But when we renew our mind through the word of God, as the word says, to not be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. If we renew our minds, then we can walk out the life, the transformed life that God has for us. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be fearful of, of what may come around the corner because we have control of our minds. So we choose to think about the things that God wants us to think about and we keep guard of what comes in our minds so that we can take captive those thoughts that don't belong in our mind because not every thought needs to stay in our mind, right? Not every thought needs to stay there. So we must take hold of our minds and allow it to be sanctified through the word of God. And that brings us today to the sword of the spirit. 
Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17 says to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I find this so interesting, the use of this word here. And we'll talk about more about the word that's used here in a little bit. But he says to take the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. You know, for some reason in my mind, I think of like, you know, you know, when you watch, uh, you know, I, I love war movies. And, you know, when you see like, you know, a Roman soldier, whenever they go to pull out their sheet, you know, you, you know, you know, pull out their sword from their sheath and you hear that shink, you know, the shink, you know, that for some reason, whenever I think about, you know, he says to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, there was a use of the word of God where we are pulling it out and we're ready to engage. And that's the imagery that we're given here, that the word of God he says to pull it out like a sword. Now, a Roman soldier, along with his armor, carried around a very dangerous sword. But the sword was not the same, it's not the same as the typical sword that we think about. You know, we think, of, you know, I think about a long sword that you pull out and, you know, you know, however they, you know, do it. But this is not the same type of sword. The sword that a Roman soldier carried was more like a dagger. Uh, and the word that is used here in the Greek is makara. In Latin, it was known as the gladius sword. This gladius sword was about 24 to 26 inches in length. And it was used by a Roman soldier while in battle in close range. But it was a very dangerous sword because it was a double-edged sword, very sharp, so sharp that it was able to penetrate armor. So he had his shield, and if you got in close range combat with the Roman soldier, he was so well equipped with this sword that if you engaged in battle, you almost had no chance. Even if you were, you would have to sneak up on him behind his back where he wasn't available, because if he saw you, they were so equipped with the shield and that sword, they protect and they wait for it and they just jab you. Jab you, jab you, jab you. And then, at the, and then whenever it was time, they can slice you and dice you all they want. Because it was so sharp, but it was so well equipped. Now, this, a Roman soldier would never go into battle unless they were fully trained with this dagger, with this sword. Because, you know, obviously they weren't going to wait until the, the first time that they used this sword wasn't going to be in battle. No, they took time. They practiced. They were in training. And so that when the time came, they were ready to use that thing, ready to use that sword. Similarly, as Christians, we too have a sword that we take up. And Paul says that it is the word of God, the word of God, the Bible, that it is our sword, and it enables us both to, 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 uh, to parry, to protect ourselves, and also to attack, to use as a weapon against the enemy in spiritual warfare. Now, similarly, just like that Roman soldier who spends time training with the sword, we too must spend time training in the Word of God. And we'll talk about that a little bit later because we don't want to wait until the day of temptation for us to try to wield 
that thing. We have to be ready to use it. And of course, the word of God will accomplish what it was sent out to do, but it's important that we spend time in the word so that we are trained in, uh, uh, when that time comes. So I don't want to assume that every person understands what I mean when, we, when I use the word the word of God. And so, you know, you know, we were living in a digital age, but I made sure to bring uh, my physical Bible that I use at home. But, you know, when we talk about the word of God, we talk about the Bible, the, the word of God. This is the word of God. And when we say, it, and we're, I'll explain why it's called, you know, why we call it the word of God. Well, it's because the, the Bible calls it that. But, um, when we say the word of God and when Ephesians 6:17 uses word of God, there's a specific word that they're using here. In fact, when you read the New Testament, you'll see three different Greek words for word of God, okay? The first is graphe. Graphe is the written word. It is the book. It is the 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 Bible, the writings of Scripture, the ink on the page, you know, this, it's, it's this right here, the book. So when you talk about the graphe, when Jesus is telling the, the Pharisees that you, need, you know, you know you, that you don't even know the Scriptures, referring to the law and the prophets, the, the, the writings. Okay, now that's important because we all can have a graphe sitting in our house, but having just a Bible in our house is not going to do anything for us. I remember going to my grandma's house and on our coffee table, on our coffee table, she had this huge Bible, like one where you can see the words from the kitchen. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, those big old, you know, giant ones that just sit there. And, you know, but every day I went over there, it was on the same page. And, you know, after a while, you know, you, you know, there was, you know, you can blow the dust off of it. You know what I mean? You know, it was there for show. It was the graphe. It, you know, it, it was the word that was just sitting there. You know, that, that's, that is the graphe, the, the, the book, okay? But that's not the word that is being used here when Paul tells us to take up the word of God. Another term that we see is logos. And logos is the message of the written word, the understanding of the word, the living word. You know, in John 1.1 1, 1, where it says, where, where John says, the, uh, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God. The Word was God, talking about the Logos. That's talking about Jesus who became flesh. The Word became flesh. It is the message of the written Word, okay? Now, this is, now, now I got to say that, that this word Logos and the next word we're going to use is at times used interchangeably, but there is a a general, uh, uh, there, there is a difference between the two. And the logos um, is, you know, whenever you get the word and, you, and, it, and it speaks to you, you're able to grab the message and it, and it applies to your life, the logos. I, I'm, I'm taking Jesus and putting him into my life. I'm taking the word and put it into my life, okay? And then you have the word that is used in Ephesians 6, 17, which is the word rhema. That word rhema is the spoken word. It, it literally means utterance is what that word means. It is the spoken word or the declared word. 
That is the word that is used here. Now, again, as I mentioned, logos and rhema are, you know, are used interchangeably at times, but this word rhema is used here, and it means utterance, which tells us that whenever he says to take up the word of God, he tells us how we are to use the word of God as a weapon, and it's through our utterance. It's through our speaking. It's through our declaring of the word of God. Why? Because the word of God is powerful. It has power. Now, this power we're talking about is a spiritual power, and it has power. But let me explain why it has power, okay? Uh, a couple of reasons. Number one, uh, number one is because the word of God is inspired by God, is what the word says. It is inspired by God himself. In other words, what that means is that even though Moses wrote the five first books of the, of the Old Testament, even though David mo- wrote most of Psalms, even though Solomon wrote the Proverbs, even though Matthew wrote his gospel and John wrote his gospel, Luke wrote his gospel and the book of Acts, and and Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Although they wrote them, they weren't just writing their own words. They were inspired by God himself, and they they were writing his words. Look at what 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16 says. It says this, verse 16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is the claim. Now, this is the New Testament claiming of the Old Testament, saying that it is inspired by God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for for instruction and righteousness. It is inspired by God himself, meaning that these words come from God. The words that we are reading, we are reading his word. In fact, Jesus said it himself, the living word testified of the written word when he said that not even one little dot will pass away. Everything will be fulfilled. He he himself, he, you know, he talked of the written word and he said, and you know, he vouched for it. And, and, And so because it is from God, it has the authority of God. Whenever we read the word of God, it's going to accomplish what it was sent out to do because it is his word. It has his authority. And not only that, though, uh, we, we see that the word of God is inerrant, meaning that it has no errors in it, okay? God cannot lie. It has no errors in it. It is, it is flawless. The word of God is complete. It is finished. You cannot add to it. You cannot take away. It is what it is, and it is God's Word. That's important because when we say that the Word of God has power, there's a reason. It's because it has the authority of God Himself. Okay? Reason number two is because it is alive. The Word of God has life, it is alive. It's not just, you know, you, know, you can take uh, just a normal book, but it, it's, it's, it's just ink on pages. The book here, it's alive. It has spiritual life. Hebrews 4.12 says this, For the word of God is living and active. Living and active. Look at what it says here. 
sharper than any two-edged sword. That's a pretty sharp sword. The word of God, it says that it is living and active, meaning that it's, that it, you know, active, meaning that it's ready to be used. It's ready. It's, it's alive. And it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Look, look at what it says here. It says that it pierces. It's so sharp that it pierces to the division of soul and spirit, separating our soul from our spirit. Okay? It slices the unseen realm. So sharp, you know, a, you know, a sword, you know, that, that gladius, you know, you know, will slice you and dice you up. But the word of God is so sharp, it even cuts through the unseen world inside of us. It separates what is soul, what is us, and what is God. Whenever we receive the word of God and it speaks to us, we all know, whenever we, it just makes so, oh man, you hear Pastor Ron preaching, all of a sudden, you just get it. The word of God just sliced you and it just separated what was you versus what was God. And then, you know, that is it. You know, so, you know, we live so much in our flesh that many times it gets mixed up with, with what is God and what is us. But the, whole, you know, the word of God slices right in between. And it says this, it's so sharp that not only does it cut in between, not only does it separate soul and spirit, but look at what it says. It says that, it's, that it even slices deep into the thoughts and the intentions of our heart. Wow. It's so sharp, the Word of God exposes, exposes uh, our hearts before ourselves and God. It slices into the unseen realm and it, lay, and it leaves us bare before God so that we know the truth. The word of God, it is alive. When we, when it is powerful because it is inspired by God and it is alive. And let me tell you, it's also ready to be used. The word of God is ready to be used in our life. It's ready to be used Ephesians 6, 17, take the sword of the Spirit. Go ahead and take it up, which is the Word of God, and use it, use it. You know, pull it out. It's ready to be used. It's ready to be wielded as a spiritual weapon. It's already active and ready to be used against our spiritual enemy. So the Word of God, that is the Scriptures, when we read them, they bring understanding into our life, separating the soul and the spirit, even to uh, uh, separating our thoughts and intent from our heart, from, from our soul and the word of God. And the goal is to transform us from the inside out. But then it is able to be wielded, to be used for a specific purpose against when we are under attack we are able to use it. Now, the devil, he, he does not have any power. When it comes to the word of God, nobody. There's, he, 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 when the word of God is spoken, it's done. It's done. There's, there's no argument. Now, it's different when it's our words, okay? When it's our words, you know, the Word of God, it has power 
to, to defeat the devil in our evil day. The word of God has it. But let me tell you that philosophical tactics are not going to work. Religious habits won't work. Selfish, I'm sorry, self-help strategies won't work. Self-determination won't work. You know, what, you know, you know, you know, what mama taught me, okay? You know, you know, what grandma taught me, all those things won't work, okay? The devil, you know, he's, you know, he, hey, say what you want. It ain't going to bother him. But let me tell you, when the word of God is spoken, there's, there, there's, there's, there's no argument. There's no battle. There's none of it. It's over. It's done. Okay. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter four. Okay. Matthew chapter four. Okay. I'm going to read just a few verses and then we're going to, and we're going to jump a little bit. Jesus, he is in the wilderness. The Bible says that he is sent into the wilderness for the specific purpose of being tempted. Okay. So verse one, it says this, as you guys are, are opening up, and, 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 and you'll find this also in Luke. You'll find it in different Gospels. But uh, I chose uh, a Matthew 4 for a specific reason. And, uh, but it says this. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that he was hungry. Okay, he was hungry. He had a real need. Verse 3, and the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So the devil came to tempt him, tempt his humanity. How did Jesus respond? Verse 4, he says this, it is written. He said, it is written. He spoke the word of God. He declared the word of God. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. The Bible says that he took him to the holy city and he put him on the, tem- uh, on the pinnacle. And he says to throw yourself down, you know, because angels, you know, will catch you as the word of God says. How does Jesus respond to him? Again, it is written. That's how he responds. The devil takes him to a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world. He says, I'll give you all these if you just bow down to me. How did Jesus respond? He says, be gone, Satan. He says, for it is written. Even Jesus, who is the living word, used the written word, but he didn't just think it. What did he do? He spoke it. He spoke it out. He declared it. And the Bible says in verse 11, what does it say? It says, the devil left him. The devil left him. Behold, angels came and were ministering to him. The living word used the written word. He he called it out. He, He spoke it. And he spoke the word. He declared it. And it was the weapon that he used. The spirit of God The sword of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God as a sword to defeat our enemy in our time of temptation. Listen, the devil, he's going to come and tempt you when you have a need. When you're in need, he's going to come. You can expect for the devil to come and tempt you. But in the point of temptation, when you get that thought, when you get that feeling in your heart, whenever you feel that moment, whenever things seem to be closing in, 
the word of God, it's ready to be used as a sword. It's ready for us to take the word of God and to speak it and to declare it, to declare the word of God. You know, uh, in, in Genesis 1, it says that, that, that God said, let there be light. And I love, you know, when you see it, God spoke it and it came into existence, right? Obviously, you know, the word of God tells us that, that, whatever he, that whenever his word goes forth, it accomplishes what it was sent out to do. But God didn't think it, he spoke it. When we speak the word of God in the spiritual realm, it becomes the, the, the weapon that, that officially shuts it down. The devil, he may try to combat, but he has no answer to the word of God. We can wield and use the word of God. In fact, we are, we are encouraged to declare, to speak the word of God in our life in our time of need, to use it is written. Now, not, not using our own words, because we have no power. Our words have no power. The power is in the word of God. It's in the authority of God. It's in the fact that it is alive, ready to be used, and we can declare it. We can utter it, utter the word of God. And when we speak it, then things happen in the spiritual realm. But we have to go from having a Bible to reading our Bible to meditating on the Bible so that when the time comes, we can speak, we can declare the Bible. Amen? A few takeaways. Number one, how do we take up the sword of spirit? Number one, we have to read the word. We got to read the word. We got to read the word of God. Okay? You know, we all have a few Bibles. All we need is one. All we got to read is one of them. We have to become familiar with the word of God, just getting it in our hearts, reading it every day, consume it as it is like food for our spirit to strengthen our inner man. And let us not let it sit in our house and sit in our car and let it collect dust, but instead let us read it to become familiar with the truth so that we're not deceived. We got to get the word in us, read the word of God. And listen, as Pastor Ron always says, we can't do anything about yesterday, but we can start today. We can begin today. We can begin reading the Word of God today, and we can get it in our hearts. Secondly, let us meditate on the Word. Okay, that, the word meditate is to murmur, to murmur, to speak to ourselves, to allow it whenever we're reading the word of God, that we, that whenever the word of God speaks to us, when there's a verse or, or a word or a thought that speaks out to us, that we grab a hold of it and we, and, we, and, we, and we repeat it to ourselves throughout the day and we think on it and speak it to ourselves so that we can hide it in our hearts, as the word of God says, so, we, so that we might not sin against God, that we keep it in our hearts so that it can transform us from the inside out, that we can, that, that we can allow it to wash our minds to renew our mind. We have to meditate on that scripture. So we're, we make ourselves familiar with it, but we also let the word of God to speak to us. You know, we can't remember a whole passage, but we can remember a verse. We can, we can meditate on a few words, on the thing. You know, many times the Holy Spirit will just drop it in our hearts and we just keep meditating on it. Think on it. And let the Holy Spirit, ask the Holy Spirit to help us to obey it. But then thirdly, let us declare the word of God. Let us speak 
the word of God. Declare that whenever the enemy comes in, okay, whatever it is that we, you know, whatever it is that you struggle with, whatever it is, begin to get scripture. Find scripture. Write it down. Get it in your phone. Write it somewhere so that whenever that time comes, you're ready. You're ready to wield that, you're ready to wield that scripture and say, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. Okay? Man, you know, uh, uh, fear was a big thing for me, you know, as a young man. And man, I, man I, I, I had that word in my heart. Whenever fear tried to come in, man, I, I, I reminded myself, I reminded fear that God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I would stand on that scripture, and I would stand on it, and I would speak it, I would declare it, and I would not allow fear to take over my heart. I was not going to walk in fear and allow it to take away and, 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 re, and replace the truth in my life because I can walk in love. I can walk in the peace of God. I can walk in that. I don't have to walk in fear. Whatever it is, we can get it in our hearts, and we can begin to declare the word of God. We speak it and declare it. Rhema is to, is to utter. We declare it. We speak it out as it is already in our hearts. If we're reading the word and we are meditating on scriptures, then when the time comes, we already know what to do. We become, we, we are able to wield it as experienced believers in the time of need. When the enemy comes in to tempt us, we're ready with the word of God. Amen. It is our sword. It is our weapon. It is the final piece of the armor of God. Let us stand firm when the enemy comes in to attack. And when he does and we stand firm, let us also begin to remind the devil that we know what the word says. We know what the truth says. We know what the truth is. And devil, you can't win today. You're not winning in my life today. Amen. We can stand firm against the, against the attack of the enemy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus, for the word of God. Lord, it's your word, your words, with your authority that is alive. And Lord, I pray, God, that every preconceived notion that we have about it, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would, God, help us to release those things, to grab a hold of the word of God for our life, that we would get it in our hearts, that we would meditate on it, and Lord, that we would be ready to use it in the time of need. When the time comes, Lord, help us to stand firm. God, help us, Lord, God, to get a desire and a hunger for the word of God in our life, Father. And Lord, I pray that when the enemy comes, Lord God, that we would be ready to use the word of God to speak against Lord, and God, to remind the devil and to remind ourselves what the truth is for our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for this incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.